So as Jessica said, we are, we are doing this series called um, Slaying the Giants, and um, it's been really cool. Just over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing the introduction, really setting um, the scene for this next five weeks as we're going to tackle specific giants. So if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, there is the option to download those messages off our uh, website, connectwashington.org. Uh, there's a podcast you can subscribe to. You can even just go straight to that slayingthegiants.com website and uh, check them out that way. But we just kind of talked about David and Goliath just to set the scene for the idea that God is in the business of slaying giants, that he wants to destroy these giants that attack us. So this morning, the first giant that I want to address, the first giant that I want to bring to your attention is one by the name of doubt, okay? Because whether you realize it or not, that is, for many people, a giant that comes and attacks. Doubt can come in all sorts of forms, now, I was thinking about speaking this morning. I was thinking about my message, and I always like to try and kind of set the, the, the tone at the beginning of the message and just kind of get you in the, the thought pattern of, uh, of what I'm speaking on. So I was thinking about times in my life of, of doubt, and, and I went right back to a, a time when I was just in my, my late teens. I think I was probably maybe like 19, 20 years old, and Probably like most young men growing up, I was like a bit of a daredevil. I mean, if there were rocks to climb, I was climbing them. If there was a tree that could be swung from, I would want to swing from it. You know, I mean, I, I was just, I just loved doing all those kind of things. I remember being away with some friends of mine. Uh, we were actually in the south of England in a, uh, a beach area. And uh, we were together on a little mini vacation. And when we were there, we found that there was this, this group and they'd set up to do a bungee jump. And you could actually pay and do a bungee jump. Now, my friends knew that I was this kind of daredevil, brave kind of guy. So they're like, you should do that. And I'm like, yeah, I should totally do that. That'd be awesome. So uh, I go over and I find out how much it costs. And I'm like, how much? But I'm like, okay, once in a lifetime kind of experience. So I'm going to do this. And uh, it's amazing, you know, because... At first, I'm like, yeah, but the, the nearer the time of the actual act of jumping, I, I, this, this giant showed up very real and very large, the giant of doubt, doubt whether I would live, doubt whether this elastic would, would take my weight. All sorts of doubts and fears start going through my mind because this wasn't off a bridge or anything cool like that. This was basically a crane that they lifted you up in this cage several hundred feet in the air. I don't know. I think it might be a thousand or ten thousand feet. That's, that's kind of how it felt. And, um, and basically you're in this cage with this elastic tied to your body and a strap and uh, the, the little door opens and the guy counts down from three, three Three, two, one, and off you go. Simple, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I'm all the way up in this cage. I'm asking this guy question after question. You know, how many, how many times have you done this? You know, how's your percentage? You know, we're up near the high 90s. He's like, 100%, never lost anyone yet, you know. And uh, he's like, and it's water down there. It's like two feet of water. You know, this crane like goes out over the edge of the ocean there, and it's like two feet of water. So I'm really not thinking that's going to help too much if, if this elastic does break. He explains how they use five different cords, and if one breaks, you know, the other four are still strong enough to hold your weight. He goes, in fact, if two break, he says, do you know what? If four of them break and only one of them holds, that's still strong enough to hold your weight. I'm like, that's awesome. 
what happens if five of them break? Have you, have you thought through that? He's like, you'll be fine, don't worry. So he's like, now there's a big crowd down the bottom. So when, when I count down from three, you're going to jump out of this cage. And what's really cool is if you can scream as you're falling, because the crowd love it. It just really kind of adds to the excitement of the day. And I'm like, well, because you asked. <laughs> no other reason. So... Uh, Three, two, one. And I knew, I mean, honestly, if you've ever thought doubt, I mean, it was all through my head. I'm, I'm Mr. Like, uh, daring, Mr. Adventurous, but all these doubts are going through my mind. Was this the right thing to do? Was this a stupid thing to do? It probably was. You know, is this going to hold me? And three, two, one. And I knew if I didn't go on one, I wasn't going at all. So on one, I just leaned forward and I screamed all the way down because he asked me to. And uh, like I got to this full extension. It's the weirdest feeling because you're just like falling. And then suddenly you're just bouncing back up again. And I'm screaming again because I'm like, I'm alive. It was a different kind of scream, more of an excited, yay. But then you drop again. And this goes on for a while until eventually you end. And I remember talking to the guy saying, you know, how do, you, how do people cope with this? Do you ever have people who are too scared? He goes, yeah. He goes, to be honest with you, you did the one where you fall forwards. We don't really like doing those ones because people do. Doubt comes in their mind. And what happens is they'll start to fall and then they'll panic and they'll grab hold of the cage and they kind of swing around and then they're like on the outside of the cage holding on and we have to pry their fingers off as they're screaming. I'm like, seriously? He goes, no, but we, we do try and get them to let go of the cage. He goes, so, so the best thing, we try and encourage people to actually fall backwards because then as soon as they start to fall, there's nothing they can grab hold of. So he goes, that kind of eliminates some of that doubt if they'll fall backwards. And he said, true story, he said, actually, he said, um, sometimes we get people who come in and not like you. He goes, they're real kind of tough. They're like, I'm not scared at all. And he's like, we know you're scared. Come on. There's no one who's going to do this and not scared. He's like, no, I'm not scared. So he goes, I really try to encourage them to do the backwards fall. And then when they stood there, he's like, could you scream? Nah, nah, I'm not screaming. I'm tough. I'm not going to scream. He's like, okay. So he counts down from three. And then as they start to fall, he goes, wait, that's not done up. <laughs> and they go, ah, and then they scream. <laughs> so I was like, seriously? Was, oh, yes, brilliant. We do it every time. We'll tell them, no, wait. And then, <laughs> then they scream. So, um, so I hope now you're encouraged to think, man, I'm going to try that. That sounds great. Um, the reality is, as I was thinking about talking about doubts and this giant that, that attacks every one of us from time to time, that, that's the story that came to my mind because I don't face doubt throughout day in, day out. But every now and again, you'll face a situation where doubt will present itself. And that was just exactly one of those situations. So in order to really teach this morning about this giant, in order to really kind of set the stage here for what we're going to talk about, I need to explain that as I'm speaking here, I'm, I'm very aware that I'm speaking to a lot of different people in a lot of different places here this morning. I realize that, that many of you come from different backgrounds. Many of you come from, um, maybe you grew up in church all your life. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you started coming to Connect Church and, and you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've really kind of dived in and you're, you're all in. And some of you, you're, you're here checking it out and you're still not really sure. And the reality is that, that every one of us is on some kind of journey this morning. And it's important that you understand that because doubt will affect every one of us differently depending on where we find ourselves on this journey. So I actually, um, I asked for a cross to be set up this morning to illustrate this. Because here's the, here's the journey that we're on this morning, okay? And I'll start on this side so that when you see it, it, it works from your side. So, so basically, the cross represents this morning that point in our lives that some of us have come to 
where we've said, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need you to be the Lord of my life. I need to surrender. I need to give it all to you. You know, here at Connect, we call that becoming a Christ follower. You may have heard it as, a, as becoming a Christian. And at some point in many people's lives, they come to that point where they ask Jesus to be the Lord of their lives. So what you may find, because all of us are moving on this journey. So this morning, you may be here, and you may say, well, actually, Dave, I, I'm not there yet. I, I, I enjoy Connect, and I'm coming along, but I'm not sure that I'm ready to fully surrender. Now, I'll tell you, I am further along than I was. When I first started coming to Connect, I wasn't sure about this at all. But, but the more I hear and the more I see, uh, you know, I'm starting to think, maybe there's more to this, this Jesus. Maybe there's more to this. And some of you are here, and, and some of you, you may re- very recently have just come to this point where you've surrendered. Say, God, I want you to be the most important part of my life. Jesus, I need you. And here's what we need to understand, that this morning, you may be past that point on your journey, and you've accepted Jesus. He's the Lord of your life. But it doesn't stop there, does it? For you, there's still growth that takes place every day. Hopefully, you're moving forward, and you're, you're becoming more and more like Jesus. You're growing as a follower of Jesus. As you read the Bible, as you talk to other Christ followers, you're learning more, and it's, and it's actually changing who you are. It's helping you grow and develop and understand more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So when I talk about doubt this morning, I'm fully aware of the fact that I'm speaking to a, a very large audience who find themselves at very different spots along this stage. You could be very far to that end. You could be very far. You've, you've lived in church all your life. You've been in church since you were a baby. I mean, you're right. Or you could be somewhere in between. So this morning, as I talk about this giant of doubt, I'm going to try and talk to every one of you wherever you are. So first, we're going to talk a little bit about, to, to, about how doubt can affect us if, if we're this side of the cross, if we've not yet made that decision to fully surrender our lives to Jesus, and, and, and how doubt will affect you over here. Then, following that, I'm going to talk about how doubt can actually still affect us even this side of the cross. So that's just to kind of set the scene to where we are this morning. Now, some of you may have even been looking ahead here and thought, you know, I'm looking at some of the giants that they plan on talking about in this series, and compared to some of those ones, anxiety and loss and divorce, I mean, doubt, is that really a problem? Is that really a giant? Does that fit in the giant category? Well, I think it is. I think it does, because for many, the giant can come in, and here's where I think it becomes its most dangerous. Here's where this giant becomes its most problematic, it's when this giant stops you from moving in this journey. Not that the giant shows up, but the giant actually stops you because I believe it's God's plan for every one of us to move along this path, to come to a point of finding Jesus and having that relationship. I believe God created every one of us to have a relationship with him, and we discover that here at the foot of the cross. And I believe it's his plan for our lives to grow more like him every day. So I think this giant of doubt, where it's at its biggest problem is when it comes in and it stops you at some point because the doubts, the questions, whatever it may be, cause you to think, I'm not sure if I can keep moving forwards on this journey. And to me, that's a very dangerous giant to have in our lives. So I'm going to talk about it in that context this morning. You see, maybe, maybe you're on this side And this is how that giant rears its head in your life. You find yourself asking questions like, well, what if God's not real? What if the Bible isn't reliable? How can a God of love allow suffering and bad things to happen? In fact, why do bad things happen to good people? 
These are all questions, all ways that that giant of doubt manifests himself this side of the cross. And it causes people sometimes to stop in their tracks and say, I'm not sure that I can fully buy into this because I don't understand why. I don't understand how God could do this. And they're great questions. In fact, to be honest with you, I think they're questions that have been wrestled with for centuries. People have been asking these questions. God, I don't understand this. And some people have come to a point where they found resolution. They found their answer to that question. But others have come to a point where they're still, you know, I'm not sure if I'll ever get the answer to that question. But very often those questions, they come in like doubts and they stop us from moving closer to the cross. In fact, I think that's probably one of the biggest difficulties for some today is they're saying, hey, I know I'm moving in that direction, but I need some evidence. I need some proof. And you might be one of those people that's here this morning. But I want to tell you there's a problem with that. And the problem we can find in the scriptures. Paul, the, uh, the apostle, he was in the New Testament. He, he wrote almost half the New Testament. He was a great follower of Jesus. And he wrote a letter to the church in Ephesians. And listen to what he said to them in there in Ephesians 2 verse 8. And this is really key understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved Through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, this is a really important verse to read because what Paul is saying here, when he's saying, hey, it's not by works, he's saying, listen, you are never, ever, ever going to be able to be good enough to bridge that gap between you and God, to have that relationship between you and God. You could work as hard as, you life all your, as hard as you like all your life, but you'll never ever be able to be good enough. You'll never do enough good works to, to bridge that relationship. God's looking for 100%, and we'll never do good enough. We'll never have good enough works of 100%. So Paul says, listen, I've got good news. It's by grace that you've been saved. You don't have to work. Grace is God saying, I love you so much that I'm actually going to send Jesus to die in your place because I know that you'll never, ever be able to do enough good. Now, when you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you then live a life trying to, um, you know, to please him and to do what the Bible says and to live a life following him. But you recognize that the fact is that it's because of God's love for you. It's because of this, this gift that we call grace that we're able to have this relationship with God. So a really important verse, talking about grace versus works. But, but here's a very key couple of words in this verse. Take a look at this. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. You know, I don't think Paul just put that in there by accident. He says, listen, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. At some point, you made a decision. You, you took a step of faith and you said, you know, I don't have the evidence in front of me. But I am choosing to believe that God is who he says he is. That Jesus, this man who once lived the earth, was more than just a man. He was the the Messiah, the Son of God. I'm choosing to believe that he died in my place. And this this step of faith is, even though I don't have the evidence, I'm going to take this step of faith. Even though doubt comes at me, I'm going to take this step of faith and I'm going to believe this to be true. And this really is the toughest part, I think, of that journey when you're moving towards this cross. Because that final step is very much a step of faith. And to illustrate, um, probably in the best way I can think of, what that step of faith looks like. 
I'm actually going to go and uh, turn to a, a friend of mine who helped me last week, and he's going to help me again this week. I hadn't actually planned this going into it, but it, it just worked really well last week to illustrate a point, and this week it's going to work just as well to illustrate another point. So uh, we're going to watch a, a short clip here from the great theologian, the great man of God, Indiana Jones. Check it out. You know, I love that clip. It just, I've seen it so many times and it illustrates so perfectly what it means when you're at this point where you've, you've not yet made that decision to follow Jesus. In your heart, you believe it to be true. Um, you have friends maybe who have lived a life following Jesus. You can see that there's something in their lives. You can see there's something different about them. But you're just stuck at that point. Like if I could just know for sure, if I could just know. And, and that video clip shows so perfectly because ultimately that final step to bring you to the cross it is a step of faith. You, you, there'll never be all the evidence that you need. And at some point, you're going to have to step out. And maybe you're here this morning, and that's how that giant of doubt is attacking you. Because here's, here's the deal, and this is what I want us to remember this morning. This is going to impact you whether you are um, yet to make a decision to follow Jesus or whether you've been following him for years. Here's the thing. Doubt stops you. Faith moves you. Doubt stops you, faith moves you. So you may be here this morning and, and you're, you're, you're just struggling and, and, and that's why this, this giant is such a problem because doubt has stopped you in your tracks. God desperately wants you to be moving along this journey and doubt has stopped you from making that final decision and it's a step of faith. And what I love about that clip is that the bridge was there. He couldn't see it, but it was there. And when did he discover that it was there? Right as he took the step of faith. It's as he took, <laughs> I won't do it. I was going to step out then. That's how much faith I got. <laughs> that would have ruined the illustration. No bridge. So um, right as he took that step, the bridge was there. Listen, for over 20 years now, I've been following Jesus in my life. And I can still remember the time where I pulled over in my car and I prayed. I said, God, I believe this to be true. And I took a step of faith. And for me, in my life, the bridge was there. I knew, I know now. When I took that step of faith, I know that God is real in my life. There are many here this morning who have been following Christ for a long time. will tell you the same thing. You know, yesterday, yes, it was a step of faith. But when I took that step of faith, I discovered the reality of God in my life. He really has made a difference in my life. And that's the challenge that this giant will bring into some of your lives because he will stop you from moving. Because doubt stops you, faith moves you. It is a leap of faith. I don't want you to be stopped this side of the cross with all the questions and all the doubts. I want you to understand the, the concept of faith and taking that step. And maybe some of you here this morning, you're, you're ready to do that. You've been coming for a while now to connect. And, and you've realized that you probably, as I've explained it, are this side of the cross. And, and you're so close. And maybe for you, it's, it's praying a prayer. Maybe it's, it's talking to someone who you've come along with who's already a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's sending me an email or a text or a Facebook message this week and say, Hey, Dave, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, or maybe one of the leaders here. Maybe you're in a small group and you communicate with your small group leader and say, Listen, um, I really want to talk more about this leap of faith, this step of faith, because I think I'm ready to take it. Don't let doubt stop you from taking that final step of faith. 
So surely this morning, if you're this side of the cross, if you've taken that step, if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, surely once you're here and you've discovered him to be real in your life, then surely it's just a breeze from then on, right? You just keep on walking. Doubt never bothers you again. It's just easy. We just, we love God. We read the Bible. He answers all of our prayers, every single one of them. And doubt never raises its head again, right? Wrong, of course. I wish that were true, but here's the deal. I'm not just speaking to people here this morning who have yet to make a decision. I know that for some of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, have, we have come to times in our lives where questions have come up. We've prayed a prayer that, that wasn't answered the way we thought it would be answered. It felt like God was a million miles away and, and doubts have crept in. And maybe we felt a little bit guilty because we thought, you know, if I'm a follower of Jesus, why would doubt be in my life? Obviously, I'm not doing it very well. I can't be doing this very well because I'm doubting. And surely if I had faith, I wouldn't doubt. But the reality is doubt, that giant, is just as much of a menace to those who have discovered Jesus as to those who are still on that journey. Doubt will still come. And as long as it takes faith to follow Jesus, there will always be the challenge from doubt. You know, this giant of doubt... This isn't anything new. If you struggled in that at all as a follower of Jesus, you're in the same boat as, as thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers of Jesus who for thousands of years have struggled with this. You know, the disciples, the 12 disciples that walked with Jesus, the 12 disciples, I mean, who physically knew who Jesus was, they met him, they felt him, they touched him. They saw him before miracles. They saw him teach the crowds. They got to spend three years of their lives with this man. They watched as Roman soldiers crucified him on a cross. They saw him lose his life. Then they heard that three days later, um, there had been sightings of the risen Jesus. That Jesus had risen from the grave. That he was resurrected. These disciples who knew Jesus so well. And they went out to meet with Jesus. And, and Matthew, one of the disciples himself, he writes about this encounter. And listen to what he says in Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17. At this point, Judas has left the scene. Uh, he'd betrayed Jesus, so he's not there. So we have 11 disciples left. And it says that the 11 disciples left for Galilee, go into the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. These are the disciples. These are the guys like Jesus' like main men who he's counting on to, to build the church. It says that some of them worship, but some doubted. Now, I'm reading this, okay? I'm figuring out that it's a guy named Matthew who's written this. Matthew himself, one of the disciples. Matthew thinking, you know, these readings may one day go on to inspire people to follow Jesus. Do you know what? If I was Matthew... I'd be erasing that part. I'm like, I don't want people to remember that part. I think we'll leave that out, the idea that some doubted. Doesn't, doesn't bode well on us disciples, but, but for some reason, he keeps it in there. In fact, for some reason, Matthew thinks it's important that we know this, that they worshipped him, but that some doubted. And I think the reason that Matthew left it in there is because this was nothing new. He'd seen this take place even during the life of Jesus himself. If I actually think that Matthew is saying, listen, you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, there will be times where you may doubt. 
There will be times where you will have questions. There will be times where, where you'll struggle. I don't think that Matthew is saying doubt is wrong here. I think like me, Matthew's probably saying, hey, listen, don't let doubt stop you. Doubt's going to come, but, but don't let that giant stop you in your tracks. Because doubt stops you, faith moves you. Keep moving on through. You see, Matthew had already seen an example of another great man struggling with doubt. And if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, I think looking at this guy's life is going to help you for any times that you may have found yourselves asking questions that you just couldn't find the answer to, struggling with your own doubts and yet feeling bad because as a person of faith, you feel like you shouldn't doubt and yet here you are asking those questions. This guy's name was John the Baptist. And this same apostle who wrote Matthew, um, his name is Matthew, he wrote the same story. And he, he tells the story of John the Baptist. In fact, it's early on in Matthew chapter 11. And in verse 11, just to kind of set the scene here, let me tell you who John the Baptist was in the eyes of Jesus. Okay, so we all know John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness. He was baptizing people. But let me tell you what Jesus thought of John the Baptist. Verse 11, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus is saying here, hey, listen, as far as I'm concerned, of all the prophets that have ever lived, because there have been prophets for hundreds of years who had been prophesying um, that this, this, this Messiah was coming, that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, this guy's the greatest. Of all of them, he's the greatest because he's the one who actually gets to see him. He doesn't just say, hey, one day the Messiah's coming. John the Baptist actually stood one day on a riverbank and said, he's not just coming, he's here. That's him right there, this man Jesus. And he baptized Jesus. So Jesus had the utmost respect for John. And he said, listen, of all the people who's lived, there's never been any as great as John. Which is a pretty cool thing to say about anyone, but especially in the context of what's going on here. Because listen to why Jesus had to say that. Jesus had to say that because John is battling his own giant. John is confronted by his own giant of doubt. Let's go back in this same chapter to verse 2 and read what's going on here. In verse 2 it says, John the Baptist who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah, that's Jesus, was doing. So John, he had his own disciples. He said that John sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Are you the the Messiah that we're expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Why would John ask that question? John baptized Jesus. John had been proclaiming him. And now suddenly he's like, are you really who you say you are? You see, I don't think John was alone in that prison cell. I think at this point, John was sharing it with a giant. And this giant's name was Doubt. You see, John had told everyone about the Messiah. He'd said that day that Jesus arrived at the river, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. We read earlier on in Matthew when John baptizes Jesus that um, after he was baptized, it says that the heavens were opened up and the Spirit of God, like a dove, descended upon Jesus. We read that um, they heard a voice that day from heaven that said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. John has seen this happen. 
He's pointed and said, that's the Messiah. He's seen this, this, this dove, the Holy Spirit appear. He's heard this voice from heaven. He's seen all of this happen. And yet here he is in a prison cell questioning whether Jesus really is who he says he is. Why is that? He says, I was studying to prepare for this message. I, I came across the reason. It, it's fascinating. You know, in those times, many actually claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus wasn't the first who came claiming to be the Messiah. You see, all the people of that time, especially the Jews and the religious leaders, they would have known that, that for over a thousand years now, the prophecy had been that one day the Messiah would come. A prophet by the name of Isaiah, he talked about the Messiah who was going to come and, and he would heal the sick and he would rescue people and he would do these great things. And, and they were all looking for the Messiah. So every time a new king came into power, they would anoint that king. And that king really believed that he could be the Messiah. And he would live his life and maybe an, an army would attack and they'd lose. And he'd be like, oh, I guess I'm not the Messiah. You know, or, or something bad would happen to him or he'd die. And people would go, well, I guess he wasn't the Messiah. So John lived in a culture where many had already come claiming to be the Messiah, and they had come, and it turns out they weren't. So now John's asking, Jesus, are you really who you say you are, or should we be looking for someone else? You know, the other reason I think John doubted, not, not just because others had said they were and turned out not to be, I think the other reason John doubted, we're going we're gonna to learn about in Jesus' response to John. Because you see, you need to realize that John was asking this question from a prison cell. John was, was preaching against Herod, the leader at the time. Herod had divorced his wife and married his niece. And John was saying, listen, this is wrong. You can't do that. That's, that's immoral. And he was speaking out against it. And Herod wasn't happy about it. So Herod had him arrested. John's sitting in a prison cell for proclaiming truth, proclaiming what was right. So in this prison cell, John's now questioning. And here's why he's questioning. Listen to how Jesus responds to John. It says, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Period. That's really important, that period. And I'll tell you why here in just a second. Then Jesus says, and tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of him, because of me. You see, the Jews were standing upon these promises that these prophets had made of, of who the Messiah was and what he would do. In Isaiah, we read about all these promises that um, he said that um, the, when the Messiah comes, he will heal the sick. When the Messiah comes, he will, he will bring life to the poor. And, and they kind of misunderstood it. They thought that when the Messiah comes, he was going to uh, set them free, release them from the, the Roman empowerment. We now know, um, thanks to history, we can look back and see really what the Messiah was, was truly set us for, set, setting us free from was just the power of death. When Jesus died and rose again, it set everyone free. The Messiah wasn't coming just to, to win a small battle there. The Messiah was coming to win an eternal battle over death for every one of us. So John is, John is looking to Jesus saying, are you the Messiah? Because um, the Messiah is meant to do all these things. But as well as healing the sick, as well as um, uh, rescuing the, the lost, here's something else. And listen to what Isaiah says. It says, and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. It says that when the Messiah comes, the prisoners will be set free. Here's why John's asking that question. Because John's in prison. And he hasn't been set free. John's saying, Jesus, you know, the, 
the scriptures I've read say that when the Messiah comes, the sick will, will be healed, the, the blind will see, the lame will walk, and the prisoners will be set free. And, and I'm still here in prison. So are you really who you say you are? And Jesus responds and says, tell John this. Tell John the signs you are seeing. And, and, and I really believe that Jesus is sending a message to, to John here because he says, tell him the, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are, are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. The good news is being preached to the poor. And Jesus stops right there. And he doesn't say, tell John the prisoners are being set free. Because Jesus knows that in this particular situation, John isn't going to be set free. In fact, we find out that shortly after this, John is executed by Herod. So I think John was there in prison doubting, and Jesus is saying, listen, I understand why you're doubting, but, but the plan that, that we have for your life, the plan that God has for your life, it's, it's not going to work out the way you thought it should. You are going to remain in prison. So what does that mean for us here today? How does that affect every one of us here today? You see, as I said before, doubt stops you, but faith moves you. And I think when John got that word from Jesus, I think he understood that Jesus was saying, listen, I'm sorry that you're in prison. I'm sorry that that you've not been set free, but I am the Messiah. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Jesus is basically saying, listen, if you'll hang in there during this time of doubt, you will see God's blessing on your life. Blessed are you who don't allow your doubt to stop you. Blessed are you who who don't understand at times, but still continue to follow me, still continue to worship me, still continue on in that journey. You see, you're going to leave here this morning and people will ask you, what did Dave talk about this morning? I heard you doing this series on giants. You know, what was that about? And, And your answer will be, well, he talked about doubt and faith. He was talking about doubt and he was talking about faith. But you know what the most important word there is in doubt and faith? It's the word and. Because I think for many of us, we've, we've tried to make that an or, doubt or faith. You know, if, if I don't have enough faith, I'm going to have doubts. And to get rid of my doubts, I need more faith. But actually, I found in my life that very often those two exist together. That I can be following Jesus with all the faith and still have questions. And that's why I think this giant is so dangerous because what he wants to do is stop you. He wants the doubt to stop you because doubt stops you, but faith moves you. So there will be times in your life where you'll have faith and doubt. And I think Paul set us up for this. Listen to what he said when he wrote to the Corinthians in in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He said, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. You see, Paul's responding here to people who are having doubts, who have unanswered questions. He's saying, listen, right now, we see things imperfectly. We don't really fully understand God's plan. We need to understand that because there are going to come times where we'll have unanswered questions. We'll say, God, why didn't you answer that prayer? God, why did this happen? God, how did we lose our job? How did that happen? I don't understand, God. I've been following you. I've been living for you, and suddenly I've lost my job. We, we're in this financial problem. This sickness has come into my life. God, I don't understand that. I've prayed really hard, and yet still this sickness is here. What? And we have these unanswered questions. And God's saying, listen, my, my plan, and God has a plan in everything. And for John, the plan was that John stayed in prison. For others, prisoners were set free. In John's situation, he stayed in prison. God has a plan. And we want to know, we, we, the, the hard part about faith where doubt starts to win is because, God, I need to know why you're letting this happen. 
Why aren't my prayers being answered? Why, why am I still in prison? Why am I still battling with this? And, and we want God to explain his plan to all of us. And the reality is that for God to try and explain his plan to us, I was thinking about this, it's like I, Emma is my, my six-year-old daughter. And if you're a parent here this morning, you've probably had conversations like this a dozen times where we'll be on a journey, and it's a journey that she's unfamiliar with. So she wants to know when we're going to get there. Dad, how long do we get there? About half an hour. How long's that? Well, <laughs> about 30 minutes. How, how, how many seconds is that? Well, it's about, I think, 1,800 seconds. And so how long is that? And you're like... <laughs> So I'm here in the car driving, trying to have an intelligent conversation with a six-year-old who hasn't grasped the concept of time, but really wants me to explain how 30 minutes works. So finally we get down to, it's like two episodes of Dora. You know, you're trying to somehow like convert it into some way that she will understand, but she just doesn't really get it. She wants to know, but she's limited in how she can know because she still hasn't really figured out how time works and how long 30 minutes is and how... And really, we're all just like a a bunch of six-year-old Emmas. We're saying, God, I need to know why. Why is this happening? Well, let me explain the universe to you and how this plan for your life is going to impact this. And No, I just need to know why. And the reality is that, that as Paul said here, right now, we see things imperfectly because we can't see things perfectly because we're limited this side of eternity in understanding the ways of God. But we can have faith in God. And trust that even though we don't really understand the plan at times, we know that he does have a plan. That he does have a plan for his life. And he does want to use these situations for his good. And the reality is our God questions may not always be answered. The giant of doubt isn't the problem. He's been attacking for thousands of years. It's when that giant causes you to stop in your journey when somehow as you're moving along either this side or that side of the cross, and those questions, those unanswered questions, they stop us. And we have a hard time moving on because we refuse to move on because we need to get the answers to these questions. Maybe we actually start to move in the opposite direction because doubt stops us and faith keeps us moving. As long as we have faith in our lives, we will always wrestle with doubt. So we hold tightly to faith because it's faith that keeps us moving. You know, in closing out this morning, I wanted to sing one last song. And the band are going to come up here in a second and they're going to lead us in that song. And we're going to sing it together. The song's called Oceans. We've sung it several times here at Connect before. And it's a great song because it talks about this very subject. You know, there's a great story about a time when Jesus came walking across the water and the disciples were in a boat. And I mean, we read this, and, and if you've been uh, following Jesus for a while, sometimes you read that just kind of, oh yeah, Jesus is walking. Jesus was walking on the water. <laughs> That's crazy. That's pretty amazing. And as he's walking across the water, the disciples see him, and there's 12 guys in a boat. Any one of them could have got out and started walking to Jesus. But I think that day, 11 struggled with doubts that they could do something like that. But one, he had some faith. And you know what? That faith moved Peter out of the boat. And Peter took some steps towards Jesus. Here's the thing. As you read that story, unfortunately, Peter started to look at the waves. And we learned that, that as he was walking on water, I mean, this is Peter, the disciple, walking on water. It says that he looked at the waves and he sank. The doubt caused him to sink. 
Because doubt will stop you. Doubt will sink you. Faith keeps you moving. And at times it's like that leap of faith. It's like saying, God, give me the faith to keep moving. So if you've ever encountered the giant of faith, of doubt, I'm sorry. If that giant has ever come and, and messed with your mind, if, if you're in a, a stalemate right now, you're in a stopped position because you really are struggling with moving forward because of those doubts, I want you to sing this song this morning and really think about the words as you're singing them. This can be like a prayer for you this morning. And some of you, this may even be a response to defeat that giant of doubt. For some of you this morning, as you sing this song, it could be the stone that, that destroys this, this giant of doubt.